Hello listeners, welcome to a brand new episode of the Everybody's Eats podcast. I'm your host Nanad Barbadikar as usual, joined by my co-host Alexander Collins. Alex, how's <laughs> how's your day been? No need to be full named. No, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm good, Alex. I'm good. I'm excited to discuss uh, all the things we have planned for uh, today's episode. Um, what do we have planned well we have a roundup of of the weekend's action we have a look at some of the transfer business that's happened since we last recorded and whether it's already happened or about to happen or rumored to happen we've, we're going to talk about all of it and then probably the most exciting part for us uh, both is introducing a new uh, contributor uh, to the pod um a psg fan um which is also which is also sort of good for us because the main part of the pod is going to be discussing um, Hi Sanjaman and uh, yeah on that note uh, please join me listeners in welcoming Jerry Mohel Toku uh Jerry welcome to the pod <laughs> Hi Alex I mean uh, yeah um really happy thank you Well Jerry uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and tell us what you're doing where you are in your life Yeah your um so well you almost got it Minad my name is Jerry Mohel Taku Gedo Taku, sorry, yes, sorry. Yeah, so uh, I'm currently, I'm about to start my last year at the University of Central Lancashire in Preston, uh, where I do sport journalists. Um, And yeah, currently in Switzerland, back home, seeing some family and happy to be here for talking French football with you guys. And as you said, of course, I'm a (laughs) PSG fan. <laughs> well yeah that's that's really useful for us uh because we have all things to discuss about PSG today. Uh but guess what listeners Alex hasn't watched a lot of football this weekend uh, because he was at a <laughs> wedding and a competition so very much burning the candle at both ends. Uh so we'll, we'll sort of let him play host and take over my role for this next part uh when we sort of go through the games. Alex <laughs> This is the part where the, the pod finally becomes worthless. <laughs> but no. Um, okay, I think there's a lot of football to get through. But yeah, like Ninad said, I basically watched no football this past weekend. So I think we're just going to move through it. And I'll ask you guys what you guys watched. And yeah, oh, I have all the results in front of me. So I think, did either of you watch the Mets versus um, Marseille game that ended 2-2? Uh, yes, uh I uh, did watch it. I did watch it. Uh, what about you, Nidad? I did not, Jerry, but I'll let you take over the uh, analysis for for the game. So, yeah. yeah. It, was a, it, it was a good game, um, more globally. Um, I think if you need to sum up something, it was the, de- the debut of that winger that we haven't seen before in Marseille, uh, Sablu, who is actually... The, uh, a former player from Chelsea, they were released. But yeah, it was. I think it was a, a really good game. Marseille seems like the first half seems like the better team, but throughout the game they just a bit lose lose control and and mess doing things. And yeah, it was a good game all around. 
Okay. Yeah, I saw I saw that Sug little guy, and I, for a moment there, I thought Marseille had you know produced one of their <laughs> own talents, but then I saw quickly. <laughs> Don't joke <laughs> about that one. <laughs> I'm gonna skip over the next game pretty quickly. Because it was <laughs> no, no, one, no. One, let's, Montpellier let's... four. <laughs> yeah, we got pumped. Um, not even only on the actual score sheet, but on XG two. There was obviously the Lacazette red card, though he he did score at least. Um, and then I mean I've not watched this game back, but yeah, that Akko Adams guy from Lillestrom, he scored again. Um, yeah, so he's one he's one to watch out for this season. I think that's three goals in two games already. Um, I'm excited to kind of catch some of them. Obviously, haven't watched Montpellier yet. Um, I think both of you guys watched Toulouse one PSG one, but Jerry, I know you're a PSG fan, so let me come back to you. You guys were kind of shit again, right? Yeah. Um, I think the first half was pretty much the same as the first game against Lorient. I love really like the Beijing of strongly dominating the ball, but offensively it wasn't it wasn't it. Then obviously second half Mbappe and Dembele came in. Uh, I think what the most of PSG fans were were hoping is that even though the the superstar so-called superstar comebacks. We st- we still have this really good uh big end pressing. And well he obviously when they came in we lost a bit of quality in in terms of the pressing but we gained in, in in dangerosity. Uh and yeah uh and that 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 draw is really unfortunate on on the action but that's what happened it can happen in football. Not really too not too worried yet about it, but uh yeah, I think I think just gonna be a matter of time really before PSG and the squad can find the perfect balance be, between that's what they need to be really dangerous and at the same time being able to to control the ball correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um and not anything to add? Yeah, I think just on, on Toulouse, Alex, I think I remember us covering the entire team properly on our deep dive last season. And mm. just to see the starting level now reminds me just how much the team has changed and how different they look now without the likes of Dejahera, without Van den Bowman, without all of these players that we sort of based their entire sort of setup around. Now it's an entirely new team. And I have to say they look a lot less impressive on the ball. But, you know, they could prove us wrong as the, as the season goes on. So let's see. I do remember being a bit surprised to see Ralts on the bench, actually, and they had a three at the back yeah. um, formation too. So that's that's an yeah. interesting one to keep an eye and on. And I for. think they, they they changed coach uh, as well to this. So yeah, they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. from Montaigne. Yeah. This reason for sacking uh, him was, I think, that um, <laughs> they didn't. He, Montaigne did not take the club to the projected heights uh, according to the they data, did. which is 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 a bit bizarre after you win the Coupe de France and. You don't reach an expected <clears throat> points tally in the league. It's, it's, it's bizarre, but yeah, we move. <laughs> uh, Ninad, I'm going to stick with you. Mm. I know you watched Lille 2, not 0. Yeah, watched watched is probably doing more justice <laughs> to <laughs> uh, to what I did. But yeah, I did, I did catch the game. Uh, I was particularly impressed with uh, Thiago Santos, Leo's right back. I think he was, he was really intelligent in his movement down the right. And I think it's going to be really fun to watch alongside Jagrova if Jagrova gets, you know, stable minutes this season. Again, impressed with Angel Gomez. Um, he, I think he's going to have another really good season with Lille and maybe, maybe gets the step up to 
um, a higher level. Unfortunate red card for them in this game. Alexandro Ribeiro got sent off, uh, I think, in the in the second half. And um, yeah, I think overall, fairly impressive to hold on to the result at home, 2-0. I think, yeah, Fonseca, Fonseca is steadily figuring things out. To be fair, you did make the point that Nantes lack any 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 attacking threads. So. Yeah, no no Ludo, no Ludo, no party. That's what I say, Alex. <laughs> um, moving on, I, I don't think either of you watched, but Le Havre uh, lost two um, one to Brest, who continue their title charge to against into the season. Um, obviously, Monaco, the only team to have also picked up all the points so far. Um, either of you watched Lorient one Nice one. Yeah, I did catch some of it. Uh, Jerry, did you manage to catch any of any of this no, game? No, uh, unfortunately, I did not. Mm, it was most unfortunate because, uh, yeah, as as much as Nice did lack end product, I think they did create a whole uh, a whole number of chances. I think twenty one shots they had o- overall. But again, I think Lorient's defensive doggedness helped them secure a point in this one. Same like the way they did against PSG last uh, last week. Picking up uh, a fairly impressive point against an East team that eventually looked like they will click together under uh, under Farioli. So yeah, let's see. Okay, perfect. I think I'm going to move through the next couple ones quickly because I do want to get into the episode and maybe the transfer window stuff, which is more interesting at least at this part of the season. Um, so yeah, Rance beat Clermont Foot 2-0. Uh, I didn't watch the game. I haven't seen the goal, but Munetzi scored, and he con- seems like he's continuing this career path of like a half Dele Ali esque shadow strike, a half battering ram, um, which is funny to seeing like his progression. And then there's another guy who scored, who I'm very excited about, and we'll get onto that in the next section. Uh, Monaco beat Strasbourg three 0 after they beat us. Um, so Monaco seems like they might be really good this year. Um, Often and not predicted them to be shit again on the on the first part of the season. But to be fair, I predicted Lyon to be very good. So it's, it's I was just about to say, yeah. <laughs> um, and then it also looks like Minamino might be really good this mm. season, and he's had a good preseason. I think he scored twice. Yeah. Or yeah. am I wrong? He that? did. Yeah. 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 And then, guys, I actually did watch some football, some French football this this um, weekend. To be specific, 45 minutes, the last half of the Lance-Rennes game, which is, I think, the, you know, which is the headline game of the weekend, at least in my opinion. Um, I don't have much to add, though, beyond Andy Diof looking really, really good. And also, maybe, I guess, Devo Machado always, like, I, I was thinking how he'd probably be, if there was a French FBL, he'd be the perfect FBL player. But yeah, what did you guys take from, from that game? Um, if I can say, well, it's not just about this game here, but just about the Monaco-Strasbourg one. Uh, what I found weird, what I really found weird is like after selling all the centre backs Monaco have now, no centre back left, and they ba- <laughs> they basically <laughs> start the game with uh, so the back three with Wilf- the, the new signing Wilfried Single, who which previously was a basically a right midfielder at Torino, Denis Sakaria, who adds a bit of the as centre backs with uh, back in his days, I'm not sure about but. Most of his career playing midfield and the a young player, um well sorry for his name. I'm probably not, not gonna say it right. Sun Gutu Mangasa, who actually played um with the under twenties uh, of friends, but he played in the midfield. So they basically started with the back three of 
midfielder and wide back, but they somehow <laughs> they somehow managed to 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 like concede goals. So it would be interesting if they would actually be interested of seeing the defender or not. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good uh, good sum- summary. I think of of that Monaco game, Jerry. Yeah, very interesting to <laughs> to see that Monaco somehow managed to keep a clean sheet despite all of those positional. Uh, Contrarian choices. We'll stick with Monaco though, because the next section is the, the transfer window, of course. And the the player that Jerry's just mentioned, Wilfred Singo, is a player who's arrived uh, in Monaco from Torino very recently. So Jerry, do you want to just quickly summarize his qualities maybe and give give our listeners a little bit of yeah. taste of what he's yeah, like? Yeah, well, um, just before we started, I'm obviously not the biggest follower of Torino, but from what I've seen uh, over the two years now, he seems like those kind of like well, right midfielder who can kind of do all the flank. And I think that's why they wanted to sign him. But well, it was not to play in centre-backs, but I could see him really thrive in that position. He's really powerful, really fast. He's quite good at crossing. Uh, I think he could be a... He, he, could, he definitely could be better technically uh, sometimes. He could do some sloppy pass or sloppy control. Uh, but other than that, he's a definitely a really offensive threats on that side would be really interesting. Mm, it's really interesting, so, isn't it? Because they already have Vanderson on that side and then they add Singo to the mix. So you, yeah. you wonder how that combination will work. Yes, and basically Saturday, what they were doing is like, so Vanderson was playing in that position and Singo was like uh, playing right, right center back. Yeah. Right center back. And you were basically what Atalanta used to do back in 2020 when um, the player just goes and and overlap, like the center back goes and overlap, mm. which was really interesting. So I don't, I wonder if the something they're gonna try to do it or something uh, they're doing now just to to make up for the fact they don't have any center back. Mm. Overlapping center back seems really pre twenty twenty <laughs> in terms of yeah. tactics. Alex, what do you make of that choice from one? Oh no, it's the same. It's the same. I was very surprised to, that they went after single because of Anderson. I assume maybe he was going or something. Um, that I've not caught, but but yeah, they're playing him right center back for now. So I've I don't know Singo well as a player. Um, so I'm interested to see to see how they look this season. I also think they look like they might be good this season. So definitely one for us to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I'll let you touch on your favorite uh, player now, Mohamed Darami, who joined Rans uh-huh. <laughs> from uh, from Ajax this summer. One of the uh, standout, I think, transfers that Rans have completed so far this window. Quite a lot of interesting players that we've uh, spoken about previously, but Darami is the latest of those. So, I, uh, Alex, Darami, tell us all about him. Yeah, I mean, this is a player I used to watch um, a while back when he was still at um, Copenhagen, obviously, with when I was, you know, back in my watching FC Nochelant days. And he really, really impressed me. I remember the first time it was sort of like this Kamil Dean up versus Darami, and it was basically like bar for bar who could like destroy the op- the opposite defense more every time every attack was going through them um i did think that move to ix was too soon i didn't really like it he was supposed to have that like breakout year at Copenhagen, and then obviously after ix lost out on kamal dean who went to ren um then darami went to to ix as their second like their backup pick basically a move that worked for neither not for kamal dean who was ready for a move but probably ix would have been perfect for him not a good move for Dorami. He wasn't ready for Ajax yet. So, so yeah, he's kind of spent like the last, you know, while. I mean, he went back to Guabanavan and stuff, but it's it's been like a bit of like in limbo. 
Um, but I think this is a good move for him. Um, Rance is obviously really good at developing talents. It's a big move for them as well, from Rance's perspective as well. So I'm very excited. Um, what we're really seeing with Rance is also they're adding a lot of depth because Nakamura was there. Now they've got Dorami. We were kind of, people were assuming that it was one or the other earlier on in the window, but they've gone and really bought everyone. Um, so, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see how he does. I, I can really see him working well in the system. Um, yeah, and he scored already on the on the weekend. So, so that's exciting. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to him and and how he does. Um, yeah. Yeah, and as you might mention, Alex, um, Ito was already there, and last season, what Rance adds is that yes. they were quite always playing um, from that right. Like they were really accurate on the right, but not on the left. And I think bringing Darami, I think that's what they're trying to do, be more balanced when it comes to the traits and be more uh, unpredictable. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think their, their, their strength is really in the wings now, right? Yeah, I mean, Ito, we've spoken about at length, like on the right, he's he's the main guy for them this season. But I think Darami and Nakamura are going to be fighting off against each other. And then they've got the, the, the forward options, obviously. Um, in Bojang and um, Diakite. Yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see how they do this week, this this season. Okay, uh, Jerry, we'll come to you now because we have to discuss Sepe Aliawahi, who has moved from Montpellier to Lens. Uh, potentially one of the more bigger talking point transfers within league on this summer because he is, of course, replacing uh, Lois Openda, who has moved to RB Leipzig. So, Jerry, what do you make of uh, LA Wahi joining Lens? This is a, a brilliant business for Lens. I, actually, I, I also think that it shows how much the club are grow to buy a player of 35 million, which they're not used to. But obviously, this summer they had money after selling um, Openda or even Sekofofana. But yeah, I think that's a really good move. And you know what? In France, uh, people are particularly happy about it because, you know, we like, we. Most of the time, when a, a talented player breaks through in France, they tend to go elsewhere, either in Premier League, Italy, Bundesliga. But people were saying that it's actually a good thing that uh, French star or French French good player could stay in France because uh, just for the visibility, even for the visibility of the, the league or just for the quality of the league as well. And for all of those reasons, actually, it was a, a good decision that Lance will be made a right call. And so does the player because obviously he could have gone to Chelsea. Uh, he could have gone. I don't. I don't know all the, the list of the clubs that wanted him, but yeah, <laughs> to be fair, choose. To be fair, I think every second player in the could have gone <laughs> to Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but but yeah, this this is a good business for Monaco for Lance and for anyway. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What do you What do you guys? What do you guys think of his fit in terms of replacing what Openda does? Do you think they're going to use him in a similar way? Or do you think it'll change up a bit? I'm just trying to think if why he has that same sort of like box movements. I think he's quite dynamic coming into the box, but maybe a little bit less with those like double movements in the box. Do you think that they're going to change up how they use him? Um, or do you think like he's a straight slot in in terms of the system for, for Openda? Um, I think he, cannot, he kind of will use it they will use it as they used Kalimondo back then. Good. Well, I, I feel like, mm, yeah, I I, I will see why as a Kalimondo kind of player. Well, obviously, I think it's better than Kalimondo, but they are, they are, they have kind of have the same policy. 
and I think they use it that way. And but yeah, but yeah, definitely. I think I still think Wizard Panda was like quite good. They won't attack. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. won't attack. Yeah, quite. Yeah, right. good. <laughs> it was quite good. They won't attack the same way. But yeah, I think that's how they're gonna try to use it. Yeah, I'm curious to see how 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 it sort of works out for them because I I don't doubt that Wahi will be like sort of their main goal threat now, and I think to be honest, like watching back the game against Ren, I think the flexibility they had up front with Fulhini, Thomason, and Sotoka, that 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 sort of flexibility added its own benefits. So I'm curious to see how they change it back now to Wahi. Who you could argue is technically worse than Openda. At least that's the way I see it. That he's maybe technically slightly worse than Openda is outside of I the don't box. Know about that. Outside of the box, ball striking least. is good. Yeah, I mean, His ball striking is yeah, so, insane. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I'm talking about more more sort of outside of the box in terms of what he offers outside okay. outside the box. I think yeah. Openda was slightly better in that sense in in terms of what he offered in possession. Um, but yeah, I think overall, like like Jerry I, said, it's good business for for Lons. So yeah. I have to say, I mean, I know that there's like personal issues with Wahi, which is why I think maybe some people are lower and those are very like fair. But I think maybe also the stats can't underrate some of his qualities a little bit because I know he overperformed a lot and stuff like that. But I think there are, <clears throat> sorry, my breath. I think there are lots of qualities that he can kind of, that can be built on. So I, I'm not surprised that Lance went for him in the end either. I think there's a very good player there. I definitely get you in terms of, I think in terms of his movement, through the central channels is not as smart. And I think also linking up like Openda was really good and actually underrated at that. Um, but yeah, he makes it up for up for another ways. I think his running power carrying is pretty good. I, I think his ball striking is a lot. There's a lot to like there. So so yeah, I mean, I, I can see him. He's a different player from Openda. Um, different player from Kalimodo too, but I can kind of see him being used more in the latter, the way the latter is used. Definitely in terms of arriving onto situations. Um, but yeah. All right, perfect. Well, let's close out this section with uh, the player that Alex was hinting towards earlier, who is Ernest Nuama, who whose transfer to Olympic Lyon from Nonchalon might be confirmed by the time this pod comes out. So, <laughs> Alex, you must be pretty chuffed that he is joining Lyon. Express your happiness. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out where I was hinting at him. But uh, oh, earlier in the dark, yes. with players that haven't been signed yet. Yeah. Um, it sounds like it's happening. I think he arrived in the Alps or something. Well, yeah, last night and he was pictured. Um, Jerry was telling yeah. me pictured around the training camp today. It sounds like it's going for 25. He's coming for 25 million with 5 million in add-ons. Um, initially on a loan. I have to say I'm very excited about the player that's coming. Um, I think I can immediately see where he fits in. Um, particularly in, in my vision for how I want us to to kind of build the system going forward which is maybe just like as a resort rather than something i ideally want but you know two strikers ahead of ahead of shirky maybe with wing backs feels like the most secure um thing and i think he fits into that sort of system well um i'm worried though and i think a lot of the positivity will immediately evaporate if this is linked with barcola leaving i would rather keep barcola who still has three years on his deal so I don't get why we're selling him immediately, especially if we are spending this much on a potential replacement, even if it is initially a loan. Um, so I don't know how to feel about this deal yet. I don't know how to feel. Like, if it's just Nuama on his own without any strings attached, 
you know, in terms of outgoings, then I'm then I'm overjoyed. If it's Sparkola out, then I think I feel slightly negative about the season because I don't I haven't watched as much of Nuama as I would have liked, but I've caught a, a, a couple games of him and he does seem a little bit raw. Still, um, I think Barcola is more polished than him, a better player currently. Um, although I can see Nuama blowing up. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'm a, I'm in two minds about it. I hope I hope it it isn't linked with any outgoings. That's all I have to say. I guess. Mm, fingers crossed. Uh, I don't know. I feel <laughs> I feel I have split loyalties. I want Jerry to be happy as a PSG yeah. fan to get Barcola, oh. but I also don't want you to be we've sad as a Leon fan. We've losing Barcola. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about fairness, Alex. You know this. You know what? Let's just move on to the main point of the pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Well, before we do that, let's let's take a short break and then we can talk all PSG with Jerry. And we're back. And I think after spending twenty or so minutes already on the previous sections, I think we should get right into why we invited Jerry on today which is obviously to speak about PSG, a club that is, despite, you know, one of the biggest and richest in football, perpetually a mess and has been a mess this summer, yet still look like they're going to walk the league, um, such as life in Ligue 1. So I think before we look ahead, which is what we're here for today, let's look to the past. And Jerry, I'm really interested in, in basically what you think or thought of Galtier. Um, his appointment in the first place and his time overall at the club. And that's a great place to start. Um, so when Gachi was appointed, I, ca- I can't lie. I was, I was actually quite happy. <laughs> I, th- I thought, yeah, you need to bring like some Frenchness in the club. Uh, <laughs> I think that was the key of the success. And to be fair, for the, co- the first, I mean, you know, at the, at the beginning of the season, there's always this ex- expectation, excitation when you watch games. Like, even the player or... Genuinely, player one two shows more. So we saw like Neymar running back, Mbappe running back, Messi doing some some run back, and we we're like, oh yeah, you see, um, great, great, great coach. We did well, and even the the signing that Campos made when he arrived with uh, Vitinha, I was like, oh yeah, you finally find someone to play with Verratti. This is gonna be this this year. Well, not say we're gonna win it, but this we definitely look better than. The way we end up with Poch and quickly, uh, I think already in Liga, as as we're saying, in Liga, uh, he was working, he was doing the job, but quickly when the Champions League comes around, you see you see in the struggles that PSG had, even against Juventus, who wasn't particularly strong. They still win with it, though, but it was more about I don't know if you remember like that. Uh, that Neymar passed to Mbappe, who had volley straight. I mean, we still won it, but it was more from like uh, individual, individual um, movement. And we, so the struggle starts it's growing, and then when he faced Benfica, I think we just realized that we wasn't as good as the the league and game start playing. And throughout the season, we literally, we literally went. Like worse to worse, like the more the season one was going and the worse the worse PSG was getting. And after the World Cup, I think losing Neymar, Messi must have some kind of uh, mental release of winning the World Cup. Uh, so yeah, no one really really has it really. 
Yeah, I remember the season started quite well with that that sort of um, wing back system. Um, with Mukiele, I remember playing right centre back early, and the, the vibes were really good. And then, is there any real reason why why Galtier kind of moved from that system later on in the season? It's particularly since it wasn't linked with better results or grinding out wins. It was worse results in a way with worse performances and generally worse vibe at the club. Um, I feel I feel like it's just. It's the kind of system that works quite well because the cap of the the gap of the the level player in Liga is quite big. So in Liga, it's, it's alright. He mm-hmm. does the jobs, but when it comes to Champions League, where you get more matched up and the the player, well, the current in Champions League is simply better. There's a simple guy can who, which can quickly be exposed by the adversary, and they just said, "Oh, we should be better." But as you say, yeah, when the when the league started last year, it was like, you remember the that PSG against Lille game? Was like, like PSG won at like 6-1. <laughs> you have this, uh, this opener by Mbappe when like straight after like set seven seconds, I think it was. I mean, we all, I thought, it, it like, wow. Yeah. Um, that now we have a French coach. Now we have Gachi. Yeah, it's going to be great. But yeah. But moving away from from the coach, uh, Jerry, I want to talk a little bit about Los Campos. You mentioned him earlier. It really felt like last season, especially with the transfers that did happen and the players that did come in. You know, you talk about Vitinha, you talk about Nuno Mench, you talk about Fabian Ruiz, Soler, all of these players. Felt like there was a bit of change in the direction of the transfer policy of the club to move away from these star names and possibly bring in players who have some sort of utility and a greater sort of purpose towards the squad in terms of squad building. How important was the change in direction, and how do you think that? Imp- um, first of all, so uh, I kind of have like mixed feelings about this campus. Uh, when I same as Garcia, when I knew he was gonna sign, I was actually quite happy because um, what he did at Lille, what he did at uh, Monaco. So I think it was would be a good thing. But when he started. Uh, I don't know about the change of direction, but I just feel like because you have three players who are, you know, way just so big as Neymar, Mbappe, and Lionel Messi, and who cost so many, so many, it's really hard to have like really other good players elsewhere. So basically, didn't have choice to have like third or fourth tier of midfield in Europe. Like when you talk about Fabian Ruiz or Carlos Soler, you even Vitinha in a way. They are good player, but they, they, they like Kalosuler. Obviously, uh, Valence wanted to sell, but there's no other club that PSG that was really keen on, on signing him. Uh, I, I just feel like uh, last season was really hard. Um, obviously, Nuno Mensch was a definitely a great signing. This, this is a one that I, I think we want. PSG won't, we won't regret, but if. Even Vitina, I feel like Vitina might be, the, you know, those players when they sign PSG and they say, oh, um, if they were playing elsewhere, we're saying, oh, why PSG didn't sign them? But because they're playing for PSG and PSG is so dysfunctional, so they, PSG make them look bad. Because I'm, pretty, I, I'm convinced that Vitina is actually a great player. But just, I, know, I, know, mm, I but am not, too. Yeah, You're at the yeah, right part, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just a like good player, but not in the right environment. But this season, I feel, once again, um, like I feel like there was a change of policy needed. This way, 
I think now was the time of never uh, with Sergio Ramos leaving, Lionel Messi leaving, later Neymar leaving. Uh, I feel like PSG needed multiple things. Um, one was to being a more functional team by bringing maybe younger player who, like in nowadays football, if you want to be competitive, you need to have a really high intensity, which you cannot do with all the player physiology. And I think uh, some of the business that Campos did this summer are good, some are questionable. Um, what's PSG fan been complaining since this window is really about the fact that really early on the Mercato, Bernardo Silva were, was announced as one of the players that will come to PSG. And, and therefore, a lot of, and Bernardo Silva agent is uh, George Mendes. And PSG prior to that, prior to that signed a handful player uh, from George Mendes, like, uh, well, Gonzalo Ramos, um, Lee Kangin, who, who was it? Become Sherendur. Yeah, so a handful player from even Manuel Ugarte, who from George Mendes. And people were saying, all right, so we, we sign like kind of, if you can say it like that, the trash player of George Mendes. Hopefully, at least we're going to get Bernardo Silva. And at the end, we didn't even get him. So people are like, what was the point of all of it if we didn't get him? But how it turns out now is just, well, first of all, some of, some of those players are actually great players. When you look at the first appearances of Ugarte, or even Gonzalo Ramos look good as well. Um, they're actually good player, but I just think uh, what PSG needs now is more. Uh, well, first of all, is getting to know each other better, and maybe in the next field see what they can do. Perfect. Um, the one thing I've always had an issue with Luis Campos is I feel that he's very good at finding great players to bring to the club, but not always very good at building a squad or piecing them in where they're needed. So often, I mean, we saw it at Monaco even, I think we've seen it at Lille to an extent, where in the end, the squad is a bit like jumbled over because he's bought a lot of good players, but not necessarily that fit the needs of the coach or fit the needs of the club's direction. Do you feel that that has been an issue at PSG uh, beyond, you know, just normal PSG happenings of buying yeah. some random player from... You know, La Liga every year, you know, you've had your Sarabias yeah. this year, it's uh, it's Asensio. Yeah, that's all that's But you know what, uh, I actually don't, you know, when you look at Monaco or Lille, what Campos were, were doing was just bringing a lot, a lot of young players to the club. Like, I don't know if you remember mm. after when the break, that season when Monaco went to the semis, Monaco signed tons of young players who didn't even get anywhere. It was kind of the same at, at Lille. And, you know, it's good that you bring back the fact that he's good at finding player, but not player that match the, what the coach needs. And if you remember when um, oh, Bielsa was at Lille, he said something about Campos that he's basically just interested on the business side of it. And that's a reason as to why Bielsa left Lille, actually, because Campos wasn't bringing in the player that he needed to build what he wanted to build. And I kind of feel like now, currently, it has been better, but during the first year, with Campos as well, we have to remember that Galche was a choice of Campos. 
Um, I feel like he knew that Gaethje is not the kind of coach who's going to say much about the kind of player he's bringing. But now, with Luis Enrique, um, there's more and more, you know, when players are linked to PSG, now said, oh, yeah, the player, the players have been approved by Luis Campos and Luis Enrique, and I think which is important because then you're not only bringing, like, player for yourself, if I can say it that way, you're bringing player for the club, who the coach one and who everything is okay for for having him in the long term. Cool. All right. Well, Jerry, let's talk about now Neymar. And we've already touched a lot on the arrivals at the club so far. One of the big, big departures of this summer. I think a closure to one of, I think, football's most talked about chapters, I think, is Neymar's move to PSG. How do you reflect on his PSG career? Oh. Obviously, when Neymar uh, came to PSG, it was it was something we never seen before. Uh, and even his first game at against Anavon Gangan was quite magnificent in that yellow yellow shirt. It was really good. And then came his first injury. Um, I think that was where the like where the things really starts start turning about. Um, Get injured on, and he kind of like lost the the lost the feet of his career. I think from that injury, or he became like quite quite um recurrent. It's hard to say. I I wouldn't say the signing of Neymar vs PSG was a success, but it wasn't a bad thing either. Because when when you look at it, they still want to. They they were one head of command closer to win the Champions League in 2020. Um, uh, I think Andy, this was the greatest, still now, it was the greatest uh, achievement uh, in Champions League by PSG. And even the, the season after, they went to semi-final. I think it had, they had some great moments, but it just needed to stop, I think, both PSG and Neymar because he was kind of becoming toxic, where you were like, oh, we're starting a season, Neymar is really good, then he get injured where at the moment, like at the important moment and people were criticizing for him. And obviously he didn't do everything uh that he needed to do in order to stay fit. At what season, you know, that he, he liked to play poker late at night. The lifestyle was really not the lifestyle of a football player to have. But at the end of the day, I think he bring a lot to, to Liga, he bring a lot of visibility to even to PSG, but I think yeah, he bring a lot of pleasure to be down to PSG. It's something that people should shouldn't be sad. I don't think people should be sad about Neymar leaving, but and neither should be sad or regret the fact that Neymar arrived. It's something that PSG needed maybe in order to build themselves as a club, have a player as big as Neymar, and maybe maybe now um, they will advance forward if one day, someday they sign another big player like Neymar, they will know better how to treat them maybe, or more hopefully. But yeah, uh, I think it's a, good, it's a good thing for both really. The atmosphere was really toxic and wishing the best at Halilal. I think, I think you've answered this question already, but I'm going to poke a bit more um, because I'm, I'm interested in your perspective as a, right. as a PSG fan um, and obviously a, a French uh, yeah, a French speaker, so you you kind of know the the local opinion of it, right? Obviously, he's what maybe the best player that's no, ever played he, for your club. He, he's the best player, talented. Yeah, I, 
except maybe Ronaldinho, matchup with Ronaldinho, he's the best player that ever wore the PSG skirt. skirt. Um, but what, what I'm interested in is from a sporting perspective, so putting aside like how it raised PSG's level, maybe in a more commercial sense or whatever, but do you think that it was a success overall? Because it's something that I normally find annoying as a discussion point is like, oh, was this player a success? There wasn't this trophy that happened, but such was the the gravity of like the move um and kind of it was very clearly defined what psg wanted or i you know identified a success and i'm I'm separating that from you know Qatar a bit because i think their success yeah. they, they had their success by bringing neymar to the league and and then also you know with the world cup and everything that that was a clear success for them but for the club do you think that he like, what would you, I guess, maybe rather than whether it's a success or failure that makes yeah. it kind of like a binary choice, where would you kind of put the move, like, out of 10? Like, where would you rate that as a... Because it doesn't feel like yeah, it was no, a 10 out of 10 not. sort of I think thing. as a PSG fan, I would say it wasn't a success. I don't think it was a failure. I would bet a good five. Four. <laughs> yeah. Five out of 10. Right five, of the... <laughs> even four and a half out of 10. Because, I did, as you say, factually, we still had our better season where we went on to final and on in semi-final with him on the team. And yeah, and only for those two, that's why you cannot say it was a failure because before him, we never, we never got that far in the competition. So that's why it's hard to say it was a failure. But in a sense, it actually definitely wasn't a success because the, the amount of the money we, we paid him for and the amount of games that he played for PSG. He, he only features in 55% of the game of PSG. I think it's something like, he played 173 games out of 300 games of PSG, which is yeah. really, which is really it's mad. in six yeah. years. He played, he, he, actually, he actually played more in Barcelona <laughs> in four years than he did play for PSG. <laughs> and I think it comes up to 27 appearances a season. Not even 27 90s, but 27 appearances, which is like a shocking statistic. Yeah, really. The other thing I wanted to kind of make it is maybe in in terms of whether we speak about it as a success or a failure, and I know we're maybe spending too much time on Neymar, is that obviously is maybe the opportunity cost of the move of of what PSG could have done instead of investing all of that in Neymar and building around Neymar, particularly with, you know, his availability in the end. I know that's a bit of like a outcome bias, right? But like, I guess the opportunity cost of how you guys could have built instead of that. And then also that links to this general idea that I think rung very true these last two seasons, right? Where having Mbappe, Neymar and Messi actually limited how good you guys could be against other top teams because effectively you just didn't have a frontline press. Uh, I think Neymar was the only one who was ever really bothered to press. Um, And even he wasn't that great at it. Um, so I think, you know, in, in that sense as well, I think maybe Neymar should have left earlier, but do you, do you guys think you would not have maybe perhaps been better if you had, you know, maybe focused on Mbappe later, brought him in obviously, but rather than trying to pick all of these superstars, not, not getting maybe Neymar at the time might be a better yeah, club today. If you, if you could go back in the past, I feel like the best deal would have either get Mbappe or Neymar. And just build around one of them, but not those two. I, but I think you know what I think. I watched really hard is when Mbappe arrived. Uh, when Mbappe arrived at PSG, it was really comp- it was really. I mean, we know he was an ex- exceptional player, but the player he grown into is like really big. 
And I think that where PSG added wrong, like, because mm-hmm. when he arrived, Neymar, it was like big and small, little brother, where, but yeah, it was. then the, the second season, Mbappe were like, oh, I'm not longer interested in playing on the right side. I'm actually want to be a striker. And we try this sometimes at the striker positions, like, oh, maybe I'm not that good a striker. Why I want actually the left, the left position. And on the left, there is Neymar. <laughs> and I think that's where the problem starts. The problem started, and then it's like, Oh, I want to take penalties too, and I want to take this. And I think times come to time, just Neymar, and rightly so, because why Neymar was injured, Mbappe was still on the pitch, carrying the team, scoring the goals, and he won the World Cup. I think what he just had a twist of who is the big brother in, in a sense, because Neymar was actually a major player for, for PSG than than uh. I mean, Mbappe was the major player for, for PSG, and Neymar wasn't. And I think that what they had is wrong. I think it's really hard because how could how could you have known that that Mbappe would have grown so much so fast? I mm. think that, that that's what makes it hard. Mm. But in the realistic world, I think what PSG wanted to when they signed both of them is just they were thinking, right? It's also you have Neymar on the left, Mbappe on the right, and maybe we will have to change the striker at some points, but we. We seem started like this, and and well, um, with Mbappe wanted more responsibility throughout the years. I think that's where he really went wrong for PSG, and also for P- because of PSG, as well, PSG wasn't as I was talking earlier. They they don't know yet how to treat those kind of big players. You know, when something like this happened at Real Madrid, they will be like, "All right, if you're not happy, just leave." And instead, PSG were kind of always wanted to keep them together, even though I at least and I feel like at least until the World Cup, they really wanted them together in order to have visibility for the World Cup. But on the World Cup passed, I think they were really saying that he wasn't he wasn't viable on longer than this, and one one had to let to leave. Uh, what would have been better? Um, maybe when Mbappe wanted to at some point, Mbappe wanted to go Real Madrid. Uh, maybe he, sh- he should have left the base days, and then Neymar had another extension of his contracts. And I think PSG put themselves in a really bad position, which they didn't handle. And well, now I think is a ha- not a ha- happy ending for PSG. Now I think it's time to move on from 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 the the big the big problem they put themselves into, and the fact they couldn't. Uh, they couldn't correctly handle those two players. So yeah, I don't know if I answer your question. Uh, yeah. No, I think you did. I was also asking uh, maybe an unfair one, <laughs> trying to make you reimagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the just, just very hard. Just very hard. <laughs> okay, a lot of interesting points made there, Jerry, on not just Neymar but also Mbappe, which brings us nicely to the closure of this section of of uh, of talking about Mbappe what is going to happen with his future and as a fan and again your objective view as not only a fan but as a journalist as well what do you expect his future at PSG to be do you expect him to stay is he is it inevitable that he leaves what do you think it's going to be um if you would have asked me that question two years ago I will definitely told you that he's going to leave but now I think that uh the the dice are going to shuffle again um, I don't know if this was uh, actually like PSG strategy to basically uh, because yeah last year uh, media were reporting that um, 
at the moment where PSG Exxon is contract, PSG say that they're going to build a team around Mbappe, then they're going to bring more French player, but it didn't happen. But now we see that obviously uh, Mbappe wanted for a long time uh, Neymar to leave, now he left, wanted to be the only stars, and now he's kind of the major player, and Izo wanted to have a good amount or like of his friends, or I mean like um, French player in the team. And that's kind of one oh, what's actually happening when you see that uh, PG already signed with London Billy, he's really good friends, and they keep reportedly uh, recently that he Mbappé feels like he yeah, like, actually think the way they reported it was like they like if Dembele was like the pet of Mbappe, like you say, oh I'm feeling uh, more happy when Mbappe is there or something like that. But yeah, uh <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of funny and that was signed Lucas from the French uh, Lucas Hernandez from the French team and now uh, he's announced that they, they will try to close the deal of uh Hongal to the money. So yeah, just starting to feel like so I don't know if it was planned by PLG to kind of saying, Okay, Mbappe uh, you basically don't want to extend, so okay, you're not part of the team. You're not gonna c- go to Japan with us, but look now we bring so many good players. Uh, we bring kind of your friends. Neymar's left, uh, but well, you say you don't want to extend, so go. Or you, if he's <laughs> in the other other way around, uh, they're like, okay, you don't extend, so you're not gonna come. But to try to convince you to extend, we basically gonna. Do what we promised last year by signing all the players that you wanted, and now we really have no reason to not extend anymore. So yeah, I don't know which one comes first. Um, but now I, I feel like Ico is gonna extend, not for a long contract. I I see him saying extending one more year during this year PSG, and if eventually we know that his dream move is to go to Real Madrid. And then eventually go to Real Madrid um, next year, but we never know. I mean, Real Madrid still not have a striker, and they might do an unexpected offer. Mbappe might change his mind on CM. So I think he, until the until the windows close, we are really not sure about what's going to happen. I personally think that Mbappe is going to stay at the club and extend his contract about one more year. And then next year, and probably on his new contract, he's gonna have like a a, a brand close of like you know, two hundred million for him to go to Real Madrid. So I think that's what's gonna. Mm, so it's a very weird dilemma, isn't it? You sort of feel like it's a win-win situation in that PSG are also planning for a future without him, but if he does stay, it's also a win for them. And so in that way, I guess they're covered on all bases. But I guess as a fan, you would prefer for him to stay. So, so yeah, I guess that's not an interesting dilemma for you. It's also an interesting dilemma for the coach, Luis Enrique, who's at the club. So let's talk a little bit about him, uh, about him, Jerry. And how do you feel about his hire uh, as, a, as a coach for PSG in terms of his personality, his fit for the Parisian club and the Parisian culture? How do you think he's, he's doing so far? Uh, I think out of all the possibility of Coach available. Uh when Gasti was sacked by the club, he was the best choice. There were rumors at some point PSG was closed on doing Nagelsmann. I think that would that would not have been the uh, the best one. Neither is Allegri or neither. I mean, yeah, it was really the best choice in my opinion because he he showed he showed with the Spain team that he can take our decision. We saw that uh, when Gavi wasn't even playing 
being a starting with Barcelona, literally calling up uh, with the first team and benching a lot of major players in the Spain team. So he's that kind of of culture who are not scared of taking um, big risk and big decision. Um, that that was something that I really liked about it because I know, and I think, well, I know I think that if at some point you would not be happy with PSG anymore, you're just gonna say, right, listen, I think that's you're not thinking in the same direction anymore, so I'm gonna leave, and that's what I want. Uh, so, hey, I coach you a lot of affirmation, and other than that, only the the way Spain he he bring so. The, the first game and during the preseason game as well, well with notices, it brings a lot of um, modern tactics to PSG. So and until now, PSG kind of didn't really have a clear since I would say since Thomas Tuchel, PSG didn't really have a, a way of playing football. And now we kind we kind of seeing this now when obviously there is more position, there is also more movement of the ball, and I think that's typically what. Um, what Enrique asked is we've seen his Spanish team, we've seen his Barcelona, even though it was like a lot of years ago. But we could see that when he, when what I like is as well, like when he arrived to Barcelona, who like after Pep's, like kind of like still after Pep, you know, when he like, oh, we tried to have position and so many position. And Enrique was basically saying, yeah, but that's not how the football's going anymore. We need to go to be more direct. And he kind of, and he won the Champions League by being a team more direct with that MSN that we all remember about. That's that's what I like about him. He's really progressist about his way of thinking football. And I think that's what that's the kind of coach that PSG needed to go forward. Someone has a clear idea and is not scared of going against uh, the popular opinion or against his direction. And and yeah, and I, I would say that as long as the um, the board PSG backed him up because we know a PSG what has been a, a lot of problem all these years is like uh, coaches wanted to do something but the player were unhappy about it and therefore goes complaining to that certain he or whoever is in charge and then the coach just just forgot that that idea that he had and that's how he got stuck in in phases where. Where the club cannot move forward, but if now the club says, "Okay, you have all the powers, and okay, we want to win," and I think you're the right guy for this, and let him do his work because obviously it's not something that's gonna happen overnight, um, we, especially with the way you want to play. So, so yeah, I'm really enthusiastic. And well, you, you're gonna tell me I was enthusiastic last year as well, but. <laughs> How about Gaichi? <laughs> uh, I think. Hey, hey, don't worry. I mean, I got no, no, no. We we predicted what a top four or so finish. So, <laughs> so, so the, the nuts used to being pulled. Um, but but yeah, it's interesting. I'm actually interested in your in your impressions of him so far in terms of the matches because you spoke about you know players understanding like their roles a bit more and there being a clear direction and there has been a clear direction that we kind of see maybe the worst parts of his Spanish team in terms of just lots of stale possession I mean that Lorient match I didn't catch Toulouse of course but the Lorient match was just what incredible territory I think record-breaking thousand passes thousand plus (laughs) yeah and it looked like like zero real goal threats. I mean, obviously, this is without Mbappe. This is without Osmane Dembele. 
but but yeah what have you what have you made and of course i didn't catch any of the preseasons what have you made of what we've actually seen on the pitch at psg from from lewis enrico so far and and yeah where do we go from so yeah so during the preseason um so i think it's really interesting is go it works like phase by phase right during the preseason i feel like i don't know i'm not like into the class i don't know but from what I've seen it's like at the for the first game it was really it was really more interested in how the defense the like how the not even the, the collective defense but really his back four need to react on and off the ball. So during the preseason you could see like how it was really different from how PSG used to defend. But we were kind of we were still saying that oh well we seems better but we we didn't we. We draw against Al Nasser. We didn't win against I don't remember which team that Sanjin Kakawa team. I don't remember which team was it. Sorry, we we lost it again. We only at the end of the day we only win against uh, I think it was Paris FC and um, and that South Korean team. That's the only two games of the prison we win it. But what you could take from the previous games was like okay, offensively. We don't have no. We had no star, so we're gonna be ours. But defensively, we can see that the back four is really proactive and are really different. And then when the first game started against Lorna, I was personally worried about it. Uh, but we had, as you said, we had a lot of dominance. And now we could feel that now he's the direction when like more focusing on the midfield and how the midfielders are supposed to act and. Yeah, all just all the roles, and you know what? You're right, Alex. It was it wasn't really interesting to watch offensively because it was really boring. You know, like this position EU shape, but it was something. But only the fact that PSG was more, was territorially more in Lorient camp, camp is something that we haven't seen in forever. I, I can't remember uh, how long PSG has been playing that way. So I think it's, that's that's why it changed really. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair. I think obviously we've both had um, as an Arsenal fan, we've both had Emery as our as our manager, so we're familiar with the the U shape you were talking of called like the U of Death because it just goes like this when there's not enough of um the opposition opening up. But I mean, it's also something we saw a lot under Arteta, and I think I find those points you make interesting about focusing on the position, the responsibilities of the backline, and moving forward. I think that's something that I really saw with Arteta, who, who you know um. Everyone loves now, but at the time there were a lot of criticisms about how stale and not enough ideas there were to like incisively pull apart teams. And I think sometimes these positional things really take time. And yeah, it's just interesting you making the point about how that starts from the base. And I think, yeah, that that's a promising sign if it's anything that kind of goes the way of Arteta. You know, really having that direction, that conviction in that direction and, and moving from there. So that does sound promising. And I think I think a big thing is just you know, when when you have Mbappe, I mean, as you as we spoke about earlier, you guys scored on the weekend when Mbappe and Osmane came on, and I think you guys would have won the game if you had Mbappe play versus Lorient. So so obviously missing your big attackers was was a was a big factor, and I think just by virtue of how good they are when you bring them on, and when they finally find their way into the starting lineup, it'll be a different story going forward. Yeah, so Jay, what do you what do you now think needs to happen with the team? Uh, like you know, you're talking about the Lorient game. 
um the attack looking a bit stale like alex said looking like lacking penetration you think the introduction of dembele and their reintegration as such of mbappe and even the possible business that might happen i mean the names that are being linked to to psg rondal kolomwani a certain um, <laughs> a certain b b from from leo <laughs> Those yeah, those big names, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was my own way of censoring, so that uh, Alex might feel better. But yes, Bradley Barcola. You think these business uh, doing the doing the business with these sort of names will maybe sort of solve those issues of penetration that you're looking at in attack? Yeah, uh, I feel like for the past years, what players have really been missing in the team was p- players able to make. Um, Rents and behind, because the only when you look at about the only treats that three that were here was Mbappe, and obviously at some point, so when he wasn't there, PSG became really like a flat team with no treats and behind, so team could play really high on the pitch without having to worry about the defense. And when he was there, he was the only treat, so all the attention was going on him. But the fact that he wants to bring the Barcola, for example, is a. He, 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 I think it makes sense because we need wingers. Um, so, <laughs> but <laughs> the players need wingers. They need people, players able to to run forwards. And also, what's been if you look at it, it's just uh, possible. I mean, like uh, Kolomani or Barcola, they are. Mbappe, they are players who can easily swap their position on the pitch. I think that what's best, especially for Mbappe, who we know is going to play nine, but also want to play left, uh, left, um, left forwards. So, so yeah, I think that's what's going to happen maybe in the, in the future. Do you do you not think like Kolomuani is the one that really interests me? I mean, as much as it pains me, I can really see where Barcola comes in, especially as someone who. You know, won't expect to be a starter right away um, at at PSG. But but on a serious note, I mean, Moana interests me because you guys have just bought Gonzalo Ramos, um, who is you know quite strictly a centre forward. And as you spoke about, Moana is a bit more um, flexible in where he plays across the front line. But he's still he's still you know kind of coming in as another centre forward where you've just spent a huge amount of money, and obviously you've also spent a huge amount of of money on Osmane. So. What's really the thinking behind bringing Moani in? Is it really just to have this like flexibility and this competition across the attacking line, or are there other factors in it? What What do you make of it? And do you think it's good? Yeah, business? I think. Um, yeah, I think really first of all, Kolomani uh, and Ramos are two type of striker different, very, very different. Yeah, and also uh, we seen that Kolomani seems to struggle for now against low blocks, and that's maybe why there is some. They, they, someone, they want to bring someone else. And, you know, when you have a, a player like Hamos, who you kind of, if we, like, stereotypically, you kind of just come cross into the box and it's probably going to be there somewhere. I think it could help in that kind of scenarios. And, I, yeah, just the fact, having, having choice is never a bad thing for the coach, depending on the kind, type of game that you expect him to play. I think that's really the thing. And, and really, well, I think that's what's really important as well is is really uh, regards to Mbappe once again because if I like he mm. he wants to play as like kind of this striker like this uh in yeah striker and left forwards 
I think the perfect player to do this is, is really good on money because uh, we they we, we, we saw them doing the, doing this with the French team, the national team. So there is no doubt that that's why it could be repeatable. And ha- bringing Hamos, it would be for something a bit more, you know, against low blocks and or against team other the, the different to attack. That that does leave me with one other question, which is what happens with Ekitike then? Because I just don't see a spot for him in the team once he comes in. I know I know there's been lots of rumors and quite reliable reliable ones that he's kind of available for around twenty million euros. So so yeah, what do you see happening with Ekitike um before the end of the window? I think at the beginning, PSG first intends to sell them because obviously last season wasn't really great for him in terms of the way he was playing, he didn't score much. But during the preseason, he actually had like quite a, a good run during the preseason. And therefore, uh, Luis Enrique really liked him. But what happens now is obviously PSG is trying to bring on a uh, better quality player. Obviously, Ekitike, he has really great quality, but I think they're just trying to move them from him. And now, it's basically Luis Enrique would be okay to keep him on the squad, and in my opinion, he would be fair because he had a really great, really, really good preseason. But it's more like the boards trying to to sell him on, and yeah, to have some funds, I guess, to to make the Colombian transfer or any other transfer happen. In my opinion, uh, it's just it's an interesting one because I still think he's a he's a big talent, and as you said, he's impressed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm so surprised that he's still available at, at that price, around 20 million, I think, as I mentioned earlier. So yeah, I mean, that's definitely one to keep an eye out on. Um, just before I let I let Ninad take over again, um, are there any other players that seem like they might be leaving? Any, any um, you know, major players that seem no, to be leaving? No, other than the players that are in the loft, so-called loft, there is no player that are supposed to... I, obviously, no, yes, there is obviously the Marco Verratti case, that we don't mm. know yet. He's really uh, uh, he, this this is also something really complicated about PSG now. Is basically uh, they want I think was something around uh, sixty million to let Verratti go, but at the same time they need midfielder with creativity. And currently Verratti is one of the few players we have who can who's really creative in midfield. So in my opinion, it would be mm. a a bad thing to sell him on. But other than those two, um, there is no player that's supposed to go okay and where's he going again um I'm Ooh, a little so bit out on basically the, out of the they were halilad at some point then a they were halilad yeah one of yeah one of them the same club was uh jordan anderson is and there were one club in qatar so that's basically a three club and then obviously there is a lot of european club as well interested in on him but because PSG asked for so much money, no, no one is really uh, keen on making such a, such an investment. Mm, makes sense, though. Makes sense, given his age profile and yeah, exactly. how many sort of years he has left at the top. Uh, I suppose moving on from... <laughs> and his smoking habits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, moving on from, from uh, one of the seniors in the squad, let's talk about one of the juniors in the team who's really making an impression is Warren Zaya Emery. Jerry, what do you think of of Zay Emery's sort of progress so far this uh, so far in his career with PSG? And can you just profile uh, 
profile the player for, yeah, for our listeners. Zion will always have been announced as a quick player. And when I say always, it's like, he's now 16. But I could remember when he was like 11, always doing a tournament with the under 15. So he always have been uh, announced as a big player. And he's kind of that. For now, I think he have the ability to become a well all rounded midfielder, really, because he is um, technically really smart. He, he got a great physique, he's fast. But for now, what he really likes to do is breaking lines by his carry. He's, re- he's only 16, but uh, I think he, he's, a bit shy, he's a bit shy now because he just uh, discovered being like a regular starter at PSG. But we've we seen in the previous game that sometimes he, he will just like uh, start on the midfield and by his carry, he's really dangerous. So he's kind of like midfielder who's really dangerous by his carry, but have also have this good pass quality. Uh, and yeah, I think he's an interesting profile to develop, really. Because he's well-rounded and he's the kind of youngster that depends what you want you want, want him to become. If now Enrique says, let's try you on the midfielder, he will struggle at the beginning, but he will definitely be aware at some point of, of doing so because he's just that good. Yeah, definitely. Alex, I think that sort of aligns with our thoughts on, on him, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I know. Zay Emery's insane. He's he's pretty much yeah alongside. I'm gonna put in Cherky there, but alongside Cherky is the best 16 year old I've seen. And obviously, I have a little bit of a lens, a biased lens with Cherky. But but yeah, I even remember watching him at youth level. Like yeah, he, he's yeah, just that, so that, 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 the thing during the youth league. So he was well, like he, <laughs> he basically was the youngest on the pitch. But when you're watching plays, literally, you no one could stop him. He was literally unstoppable. And when when yeah, yeah. people technically yeah. physically, um, he just has these moments from midfield where where I think you really associate them with forwards at young level where they kind of like you know not phase out of the game but they're kind of silent and then suddenly just yeah. something bam a moment and he has those from deep in midfield where he'll just receive on the turn out of nowhere and suddenly he's burst exactly. into the final third and he's he's shooting he's shooting yeah. from from range he's. He's a scary talent. I was I was really worried for a moment that when you guys were chasing Bernardo Silva that it, they wanted um they wanted um Warren Zai Emery in any deal and I was worried that no. you guys would be crazy enough to no. yeah to accept that because yeah, he's the really thing was when, so basically uh, uh PSG proposed Verratti to Manchester City and they said uh, for Bernardo for Bernardo Silva and Manchester City no we actually want Zai Emery and they turned it out because PSG is really counting on him for the future. And from what has been heard, um, he's also someone who's, well, recently at the, at, at the keep, he said that he hoped he, he could play all his career at PSG. He really loved the club. So I think, obviously, PSG have a past of always letting go. He's good, he's good youngster. But this is definitely not one, uh, not, a, not a player that they should let go because uh, I, he could become one of the important midfielders in Europe. And and speaking on that, I mean, I, I think this is something that we've wanted to see from PSG for a while because you guys definitely a top three, if not the best academy in France um, in, in terms of the talent that you churn out year on year. And and what we've wanted to see for a while is you guys hanging on to these talents. You, we can go look at Nkunku, Diaby. I mean, you've just sold Bichiabu, which which was a sad one for me to see, to see him leave so soon. But but I'm interested in what happens now with you guys bringing in guys like Kanjin Lee, Essencio, um, 
obviously Gonzalo Ramos. What happens with with talents like Ilias, Ilnes, Husni, and okay. Gabi? Uh, so um, during the preseason, we've seen a couple, a handful uh, young player. Obviously, we see Gabi, who's been around for a while. And what we what we see, uh, yeah. is, you can tell that technically he's really ready. And when he plays with the under nineteen, he's just the best and even in youth league. But I think now he's not just not ready for PSG yet. I think he probably puts a lot of pressure on himself when you play for PSG because when he play, when he play for PSG, you can see and if you've seen him play before, you can tell that he, he's not as confident as he used to. So what would be the best for him, in my opinion, to go on loan somewhere? Uh, where you could uh, like playing time against adults actually and not against children anymore. And we also seen Noah Lemina, who obviously was at some was really good uh, during the second game of the preseason. And yet today, I think uh, today, Ekip announced that uh, there is he's gonna go on loan at Sampdoria in Italy in Serie B. And I think that's really nice for him because the, the previous PSG player who made a move to Serie B on loan was Musa Diaby. And we know how 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 strong he came back and yeah how that's panned exactly. Out. So I think it's a good thing for those young players to quit that environment of PSG to see what because when you're at PSG you might not you, you might not realize how hard it like how how hard is it to play in a team that is not always dominating who is fighting for who's fighting for something else that uh, I don't know Champions League or whatever Liga or anything else. So him going on, on Sampdoria on his obviously not on his own, but he's gonna he's gonna go there and enter into a new language. I think that's what really makes uh, a player step up. And I really count that they do not let uh, Lemina goes because he is like the same as those Kingsley Command Musel Dabi winger. They're just really 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 tricky, and I think PSG need this at the moment. And you mentioned Yasuzni. This one is also a tricky one because he is too good to play under 19 once again. But because PSG... But now the the players ahead of him yeah. are just stacking and up. And the fact that PSG doesn't have like a, a like under 21 B team, they, they under, under um, Antio and Hick a couple of years ago, they, they they stopped it. I think that's the problem now because they have those players, they're, really, they're too good to play under 19, but not yet, they're not good enough yet to play with the first team. So therefore, they missed that a gap in between, and I really hope you just get Uyesusni uh, to go on loan somewhere, uh, because he, him as well. Uh, if you watch the youth league or during the um, the uh, is it like the the friends kind of like uh, friends under nineteen, he he's just really good. He's really really good. Uh, you know, one of those he, he striker. He like drop deep and then he just got go forwards. He's a well-rounded striker. Uh, kind of remind me sometimes of Benzema in some aspect. Obviously, he's 19, so not as good, but on on, on some aspect <laughs> game. So yeah, and you mentioned as well uh, Ichabu who left, and I, I yeah, you know, I think if if there's something that PSG really developed for the years is centre backs. There's so many good centre backs, and with, with Ichabu, I have less uh, regrets because PSG gave him each chance. To be fair, last season he played quite a lot, and he never. Ne- never have been quite there. He was making, he was making a lot of mistakes, which is normal again, <laughs> which is normal, obviously. Yeah, He's yeah, which 17, is normal. But yeah, well, now it's pressure. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> See, well, Jerry's cutthroat. He said he, he's not going to be good enough. Not what what were you doing? Seven, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, it's not. 
<laughs> no, but I take your point. I, I do wonder. I mean, he, he has come through as quite, you know, quite a lot more, quite a lot of hype yeah. even for. Bro, and and once again, it's not like Paige um, just sold him, man. There's like very bad clothes. And, yeah. But I, I think was the best for mm. all the party, really. Okay, perfect. I think I think we're running near the end. So what I think we're both really interested in, um, Jerry, is your expectations for the season. What what would you regard as a as a successful season, um, first season under uh, Luis Enrique? Uh, I think a great season. When you had PSG, when you support PSG, you expect the team to win every cup domestically and. If you look at the past, it's something you haven't been doing in a while now, winning everything domestically. So the Coupe de France and uh, the La Ligue 1, so the, the, the season. And in Champions League, obviously winning is hard. And it's a hard competition. There's only one winner. And I think what PSG fan, even, I wouldn't say, the PSG fan doesn't really care, actually don't care about getting out in semis or in court of final. But what they want is just player that fights for the shirts, really. Even if you go through a uh, round of 16, for example, but we've seen players that did everything they could to go through, but they didn't make it. PSG fans would be less sour than what we've seen in the past with, with players who don't defend, who don't do everything. You just look as if they literally bothered to, to play the game. And I think that's really matter. But as a fan, me, I personally hope for a quarter, you know? A qu- if you are the course I think that's really a really great event for the first season. But yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of my expectation for this season. Perfect. Okay. That's a lot of talk about PSG. And I hope listeners Too much on the Yeah, spot. too much, too much. I hope <laughs> listeners that uh, you've you've learned everything you needed to know to prepare for this new chapter of PSG. And even more than what you needed to know, I think you've learned enough. And so thanks to Jerry for that. Well, quickly before calling it a day on this pod, we will quickly just discuss the matches that we're looking forward to for the next weekend for us to watch and for our listeners to also look out for. Okay, Jerry, do you want to give us your match to watch next weekend? Um, so obviously my watch, my, my one to watch next weekend it would be uh, PSG against Lens. So it, it, it actually, I think it's going to be a really interesting one because Lens only have one point after... Two point after two days in the season, PSG have two point after two days. So they kind of you need now time to make some point for both of the team and for the team who's gonna lose. Obviously, it's not a big deal because the season just started. But you know, you just you just want to to stick in the top for as soon as possible. And also, uh, PSG haven't won against Lens for now like two years in a row in a season. And I think that's something people are now expecting to do. It's not draw at. Oh, at home, isn't it? Jerry? Yeah, at home. Yeah, they're playing at home. Oh, at at Lance's. Yeah, at, oh at yeah, my, oh yeah, 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 my mistake, my mistake. Yeah, yeah. I mean at Lance. <laughs> okay, I was thinking that's a yeah, bad no, yeah, because, actually, um... is it last season? Yeah, that's it. They win last season because Lance had that red card. Yeah, of course. Well, there you go. That's PSG versus Lance. Important for both sides to build momentum. Alex, which match are you looking forward to watching? So obviously PSG versus Lance, I think, is the is the headliner. You know, last season's top two, both looking less good so far, at least not for now. Um, I've be, I've gone similarly boring. Je- Jerry's chosen his club. I've chosen mine. So Nice versus Lyon. But I do actually I want to not pick them. But I feel like if that's the oh really, this oh, is the same really? <laughs> <ones>. yes. 
<laughs> but it'll be interesting to see Lyon where we are maybe the reactive team or if I think if we have any sense about us we should probably be the reactive team away at Nice um obviously a team that likes to build out we've we've kind of seen us try to be the team that dominates the match and just get dominated both times so I'm interested to see how we do um and then for Nice obviously it's just that continued um continuation of what we're seeing with Farioli and maybe more and more in terms of what they're doing in possession, I also think Lyon is a mess of a side out of possession. Um, so it could be really bad if Farioli has his team playing, you know, in any kind of good way throughout team. It, it could be bad. So it's not a team, I'm, it's not a game I'm looking forward to, but it is one that I think the neutral would be interested in watching. Perfect. Okay, to give my match for next weekend, I am going to go for Lorient versus Lille, which I think in both sides is, is really interesting to see how much Regis Labrie's Lorient can continue their sort of defensive solidity against... Unbeaten. Unbeaten, exactly. <laughs> unbeaten so far. Although it's only been two games, to be fair. But unbeaten against hey. impressive teams, in all honesty. And again, another big test against Leo for them, which I think, if they come out successfully, will be really you know putting them in a good stead for the rest of the season. And as for Leo, I think... We, Alex, you and I, we, we sort of previewed the season and we put them right up there in terms of being the title challenges mm-hmm. for this season. And again, this would be a sort of test where you want to see them win ugly. They sort of tried, they did that against against Nantes last week. So I want to see that again from from uh, from Leo. And again, I think missing some key personnel, you know, Ribeiro's, uh, Ribeiro's red card is probably going to be something to keep an eye out for at the back. So yeah, I think that's that's my, my watch to watch next weekend. The other thing that I'll be interested in is, I think, when we watched Lille in the first week, what we noticed is their transition control was really weak. They were getting hit on the break and just getting sliced through way too easily. And I think that's exactly what Lorient are going to set up to do against them, probably have Bombardier on the counter. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it is one of those where Lille will be the better team, but could um, Lyon, Lorient could take, a, could take a scalp. So yeah, we'll see how it, we'll see how it pans out. We will indeed. Okay, Jerry, tell our listeners where... Where they can find you? Yeah, uh, so so guys, obviously, if you can you can find me on Twitter, which is Jerry Morel Taku. Uh, other than that, I'm on Instagram, which is Jerry Taku. But if you, I, I mainly talk uh, on Twitter about everything, and there is also my, a link for my blog if you want to uh, read more of my work. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jerry, for no, joining th- us for this episode. Thank you, guys. And uh, yeah. We look forward to doing more of this. Uh, Listeners, do like and subscribe to our show on your podcast platform of choice. And if your podcast platform allows you to rate the podcast, please do so. We'd really appreciate some nice words or some harsh words for Alex. He needs those. He needs the harsh motivation (laughs) for for future episodes. But also, thank you. Thank you to Upbeat for providing our our music. Uh, They really, it's, it's a really useful resource to source music for your for your podcast like we've done for uh, for us so highly recommend that and yeah with that i your host nanad sign off see you next week guys take care